1: Because ¿Dónde está el baño? can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started.
2: Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm your personal astrophysicist. I serve as director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. My co host today, The One. The only is there more than one of you? Not that I know of. The one, the only, Eugene Merman. Hello. (laughs) Uh, Today we'll be talking about the movie Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and my interview with guess who? I got I got an interview with like the lead ape, the person who plays the ape. No, it was the lead. (laughs) Just to be clear, (laughs) Andy Serkis. Uh, He played Caesar in the movie. You know, he's considered the king of performance capture technology yeah because it wasn't just some animation that he just then voiceovered right that was him he was moving around it's him he was moving
3: around he's the best at that
2: I, I think so because like it's not just he wasn't just Caesar before he played Caesar he was Gollum uh-huh. the Lord of the Rings. Go-
3: Gollum. For- yeah. Gollum. No, I remember him. He really wanted the ring. He thought it was very important. He spoke he didn't have the best grammar, but he was very passionate. That's true. All these little creatures, they don't have like 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 Yoda didn't have good grammar. Yeah. Either. But very powerful. Like I wouldn't fight him, but I would be like your sentence structure is very very confusing.
2: He <laughs> was also uh King Kong in the in that in the latest King Kong there. Uh-huh. And Uh, He was Caesar in both of the Planet of the Apes. So Mm -hmm. it was the Planet of the Apes from a few years ago. Yes. And it was Rise of the Planet of the Apes and then... Most recently, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And you know, he created he founded his own performance capture technology studio called Imaginarium Studio. So this is becoming a big thing now.
3: Yeah. It's not just some side novelty. No, it's a huge thing, and there's only one person who does it and now he controls the one studio. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like a robber baron.
2: <laughs> so I caught up with him. We were in the we were in the wrong place at the right time to each other. Uh He's normally in Europe, and of course I'm a native of New York, where my day job is. I happened to be vacationing in Paris Mm -hmm. while he was in New York. So that pissed me off, although I I wasn't gonna leave Paris to come to New York to interview him. So I said, let's try a Skype interview, and that's exactly what we did. And so over Skype, I asked him, What led him to this sort of techie path as opposed to following a traditional acting career? Mm Because usually a slip on something or somebody pushes you in one way or something, something, there's always a story. So I wanted to hear what he had to say. What is in your background other than an actor that may have led you to go down this tech path rather than pure acting path Before I became an actor I went to college to study
4: uh, visual arts and graphic design and I wanted to be a painter in my first year I had to uh, actually So do you're another- a failed painter I'm a failed painter and uh, <laughs> I thought I better give something else a shot which happened to be acted and lucked out basically <laughs> your backup plan worked <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. that was the, it was the B plan and uh, so it was in the first year you had to do another subject and theatre studies was the one that I thought oh well, that looks quite interesting so I started to design sets and posters for theatre productions and then got involved in acting and then by the end of the first year I'd been in a play where I'd had this kind of epiphany moment where it was just like I have to act so but to get to your point performance capture technology and it seems in a way and filmmaking and directing and creating the Imaginarium, all of those things have come out of a desire to tell stories and actually now having this technology which allows you to to step into any sort of character and and for any act, no matter what size they are, how tall, how short, what colour or sex they are, they can absolutely play, philosophically, they can play any character. I think that's really, really healthy as as a notion. You're free as an artist to be able to express yourself in any character.
2: So, the guy's ready for, ready to take this to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like you said, he's got the monopoly. Yes. <laughs> so, I didn't I didn't know this until we did some homework for this show mm-hmm. that in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, it was the first feature film to use real-time motion picture capture. So, this streamed the actions of Andy Serkis into the computer-generated skin of Gollum as it was being performed. So, it's not just some separate clips that. It was happening live. It was happening live. And so, this is a whole other
3: frontier for movie making. Hopefully, there won't be any people in movies in the future. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's one of the things so many movies you're like ah, oh, actors <laughs>
2: so I don't know if, does everyone know what performance
3: capture is? I, I, mean, I mean I do it's like uh, you probably have balls all over you and you're in a green suit or something yeah, I yeah, guess they, I don't really know
2: yeah they glue stuff on you little yeah. sensors on your body mm-hmm. and they track how you move they yeah. know exactly where you are and how you're moving at all times and then they can layer some other thing form on, on top of you yeah. and but I always wondered since we're human yeah. You'll be moving the way a human moves. I mean, how could you be a grasshopper or something or or I mean what well, if if you're something that's not otherwise human, I, I always Well motion
3: capture is used mostly to uh, to be things that aren't human. But but I guess human esque. Human esque, okay. Yeah. Or or animated characters that are human, yeah. but they're
2: animated, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So so I I was so enchanted by his performance as Gollum, I had to ask him, just what, what what, what's up with Gollum? Yeah. And he even treated me to a little performance. <laughs> uh, let's check it out. Andy, you were Gollum, for goodness sake. T- <laughs> it's true. That's an amazing role. Yeah, to it was. To be completely creepy, yet still bring sympathy from the viewer. You know, he's
4: he's much misunderstood Gollum, I think. You know, he was loved by his mother, of course. But it wasn't all his fault. <laughs> I mean, compare with other Gollums that I know well right I think the interesting thing about Gollum is that it it is a little bit of there but for the grace of God go I but you know equally when he finds the ring or or discovers the ring or his cousin Deagle discovers the ring it's a really interesting moment and what when we blocked out the fight for that when there's this big tussle for the ring you know there's a moment where it could have gone either way and deagle could have been the possessor of the ring and uh, and there would have been a different story I think uh, or maybe not but I mean I suppose as Smeagle he was susceptible he was not strong enough to withstand the power of the for sure.
2: Now, can you bend your body in those positions? Not anymore,
4: no, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want me to do it now? Do you want me to get up on the chair? Do you want me to do it now? Look, look
2: like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't get a hernia or anything. I don't want to okay. be responsible. Oh, God, <laughs> nurse. <laughs> yep, he climbed up on the chair squatting like like
3: Gollum. I thought you meant he did the voice. I didn't think you meant that he squatted through Skype, but I'm glad he did. Yeah, he squa he squat he Skype squatted. He's like the the good thing that could happen to a failed painter. He's like the good version of that. <laughs> uh, other options are you kill yourself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cut off your ear and kill yourself. Yes, or become a dictator.
2: When we come back, we'll be talking about Andy's latest movie, Dawn, The Planet of the Apes, and explore some of the similarities between ape and human nature. We'll see you in a moment. Back to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson with Eugene Merman, my comedic co host, Eugene. Hello. You tweet it, Eugene Merman, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah, I follow you. Great. Loving it. And uh, we're also featuring my interview with Andy Serkis, who was Caesar in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And in this segment, and for the rest of this show, in studio with us is my friend and colleague, Dr. Ian Tattersall. He's a paleoanthropologist, way too many syllables for a word, I think. Paleoanthropologist, curator emeritus at the American Museum of Natural History, right here in New York City. Ian, welcome. Your first time on Star Talk Radio. Thank you. Yes, indeed it is. It will not be the last. Plus, when did you become emeritus? Are you that old?
0: I am that old. uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) More years ago than I care to mention.
2: (laughs) You never told me you became emeritus. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about apes
0: and humans and things,
2: and you're like the right guy. You've written 20 books on anthropology, and your latest is Masters
3: of the Planet. Only 18 on anthropology, two were romance novels.
2: (laughs) 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 I wish, I wish. Masters of the Planet, The Search for Our Human Origins, and so you're... You're like the right guy to come here and talk about Planet of the Apes, and so Andy, after he played Gollum, went on to play King Kong. There's an ape for mm-hmm. you, if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. And also, as we already said, Caesar
0: in Planet of the Apes. And it's got to really be tough to uh, to play an ape because, as you mentioned earlier, humans don't have the same body proportions as apes do. So to move away around in a way that expresses being an ape. Without exact ape body proportions is quite a trick.
2: Okay, so whatever that is, that's got to be easier than playing a ladybug or something. <laughs> it's true. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah the, the okay. number of ladies. When Andy plays is, a ladybug, then I'll be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Let,
2: let's find let's find out what. We'll bring in
3: the ladybug expert to comment. Sure.
2: Let's find out what he says about his transition from Gollum to apes, and then we'll pick you up again. Let's check it out. So it's one thing for an actor to do that, it's another one for someone to pioneer the whole movement. You know, most actors just become actors and you have a whole other pathway.
4: Yeah, I mean, I happened to step into an arena that was an expanding universe, which was that of performance capture technology. But I still considered myself just an actor at that point so I was you know going on set and shooting all my scenes with Elijah Wood and Sean Aston, and then I was coming back and sometimes you know a few months later on I'd go to a motion capture stage and put on the suit and for the first time I saw Gollum moving it was a real epiphany it was like this is incredible if I move my right hand I can see Gollum moving his right hand on a screen that was a, an amazing moment the following film And I've been talking about this recently because it's quite an interesting moment where I just thought Gollum was going to be an anomaly role. When the third film was finished, I just thought, well, it's been an amazing role, an amazing experience. I'm now going to go back to my normal acting career, working the stage, work on British films or other films. And then Peter Jackson asked me to play King Kong. And that was like, all right. And that was a big moment because it was, okay, so this wasn't just a a one-off event. And you discover you might have some gorilla in you. (laughs) Exactly. Then it was like, okay, so I'm going to go from playing a three and a half foot ring junkie to a 25 foot gorilla. And how does that work? And actually, what was amazing about that was, you know, Peter asking me to do that was was like saying, well, typecasting is dead. And this performance capture technology is the portal to that. This is the way through. And that's why you know i've enjoyed and embraced the technology because of what it offers philosophically as an actor is
2: the potential to play anything so ian let me ask so how many apes are there ape species how
0: many ape species uh it depends but uh, there's four genera Okay, that we so which are uh, that they? we speak about the the orangutan, uh-huh. the uh, and the the gorilla and the chimpanzee, which are the great apes, uh-huh. and then there's the gibbons, which are the uh, the lesser apes, and then there's a number of species of uh, of each.
2: Do the gibbons know that they're the lesser apes? Yeah. What do you mean by lesser? <laughs> lesser.
0: the uh, lesser. Fortunately, they didn't have any, uh, any 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 part in calling themselves lesser. Yeah, they're, apparently, they're, they're not. Better off. people rarely they're better are better off that way. <laughs> Creatures right. rarely do. But yeah. what makes them lesser? They're smaller for a start. That's okay. Oh, so, so size is
2: everything in so your size, field. So uh, size. Okay. So so we are lesser gorillas to King Kong.
0: Well, in a sense, we're uh, we're lesser gorillas. We're certainly smaller than gorillas, but we're a part of the same group that gorillas belong to, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're part of the same group that orangs our, and uh, chimpanzees belong to as well, and they have a lot in common with us.
2: Well, okay. So it, it's not. It's, we have a lot in common with each other. We right, do. right. it's not that they have in common with us. we're we like have, yeah, we it's, it's like well, it's a we're the ones street. sitting
0: around the table talking about them, but if they were sitting around the table and talking about us, I think they might be uh, uh, yeah talking in the same terms, if perhaps a little less complementarily.
2: so which so we so how much DNA do we have in common?
0: We have more than ninety nine percent of our structural DNA in common uh, with uh, with the apes, but uh, it it turns out that the difference, uh, between us and the apes is more a matter of how active the different DNA that we have is.
2: So we can go into a human, uh, fl- flick some dip switches, turn mm-hmm. some, activate some genes, deactivate others, and we can come out uh, f- as functional
3: gorillas at the end of the experiment. Could, would we be unable to talk but very strong? Like what kind of DNA? How can I make super soldiers?
0: <laughs> How can you make super soldiers? <laughs> yeah, well, obviously so I, listen right, to what I say. Well, if we can figure that out, we can all make a lot of money here. But the fact is that we have extraordinarily similar to to DNA's, and if we could deactivate a bit of our uh, of our uh, DNA and uh, and and super activate some of it, we could come out looking pretty much like an ape.
3: Could we super activate ape DNA to make them able to? You learn just French or something? <laughs>
0: Not even. Well, I wonder if you could uh, super activate my DNA to learn some French. Uh, it would be, be very handy. That would
3: be a first. We, yeah. could <laughs> at least, we could at least <laughs> learn to say house. Oh, we let's, could. Let's maybe find maybe. out how. Let's find
2: out how Andy Circus how he studied to learn to play the role of apes. So you studied apes for the first Planet of the Apes movie, correct? Did you just visit the zoo and hang out and, you know, reach into your diaper and throw your poop?
4: (laughs) 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 This is all we think of when we think of... No, absolutely, absolutely. Misbehaved
2: chimpanzees.
4: Yeah. The thing is, there's a difference between, say, the way that I approached Kong which was that I wanted to make him a very, very full-on silverback gorilla and went and studied them very thoroughly, both at zoos for months on end, and then I went to Rwanda and studied mountain gorillas. But when it came to playing Caesar, this was a very special type of ape. Yes, he's a chimpanzee. If you look at Caesar, he is chimpanzee whose mother was experimented on and given an Alzheimer's drug, uh, which enhanced Caesar's intelligence. So apart from playing the chimpanzee, uh, working on behavior and physicality of a chimpanzee, I'm now playing a
2: character that is an ape plus. So he's totally into it. And then he can't only play the one character. In the storyline, the chimps are evolving in front of your eyes. So let's see what he says about playing not only a chimp, but an evolving chimp. And we'll come back and analyze it. The
4: journey of playing Caesar, both in Rise, from an infant through to a teenager, through to a young revolutionary character. And then, of course, in Dawn, sort of jumping forward 10 years, where he's now an an elder statesman and and carrying the weight of responsibility. Throughout all of that journey, is a conflicted human mind in an ape's skin, almost. I mean, he's brought up with humans. And, And so the physicality, the emotional intelligence the responses that he has the the language the growth of language through being taught sign American Sign Language which then becomes the end of rise he begins to utter his first human words all the way through dawn of the planet of the apes where he starts to use human language more to the point where by the end of the movie he's conversing much more fluently than he does at the beginning it isn't just portraying a chimpanzee this is that this is an evolving chimpanzee that it becomes more human-like throughout the course of the movie so that was a very specific journey so
0: ian well, this is really where you're getting into the course of fiction here because actually uh, apes learn and develop much more quickly for, than human beings do for the first couple of years of their lives. As do, a, as do most mammals, right? As do – well, uh, the, the, the comparison isn't so close. Uh-huh. But there was an American Museum of Natural History curator before the war who brought up a baby chimpanzee with his kids of the same age. And I remember his daughter was totally traumatized. I knew you guys were weird, but now you're just <laughs> confirming this. <laughs> These are my colleagues at the American like a museum of natural history.
2: Okay, so he raised a chimp in his family.
0: Okay, he raised a chimp at home, and uh, it developed much more quickly and had much better coordination at a young age. And then after a couple of years, the uh, the kids continued to develop and learn, and the, the chimpanzee didn't. The chimp didn't get into Vassar.
2: <laughs> no matter no, how many no. times that I've got into
3: trouble, but uh, not so into chimp, Vassar.
2: The chimp topped out. Yeah. It matured earlier, but then didn't rise as high. Exactly. Okay, so a clearly Planet of the Apes is fiction, and so they've got something going on there where their influence is it the there's a drug that they give them that affects the brain and the mm-hmm. motor coordination and everything mm-hmm. else. And so is that so outlandish that you could give someone some kind of chemical cocktail that will evolve their DNA?
3: It worked in the movie Limitless.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hold that until we come back to the next segment. You're listening to Star Talk Radio.
1: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
2: Star Talk. We're back at you. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, Eugene Merman across the table from me. How are you doing, Eugene? Pretty good. Always good to have you here. We're featuring my interview with Andy Serkis, who played Caesar in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And that's not the first time he played a creature. He played Caesar in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. He played King Kong. He played Gollum.
3: He's playing all these motion capture (laughs) creatures. For someone who doesn't want to be typecast, he is very ape heavy. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: And we brought in because I don't know what do I know about apes. I, we brought in Ian Tattersall. He is a, a a curator emeritus, paleoanthropologist at the American Museum of Natural History, right here in New York. So Ian, we left off. We're asking in the movie, the heat, they're being influenced by a, a chemical cocktail that is evolving them. Mm-hmm. And is that, is that this biogenetically is, possible?
0: This is sci-fi at the moment. Who knows what's coming down the line? Because uh, nobody would have imagined that we would know this much today. Uh, about uh, how our genomes work, only just a few years ago. So anything anything is possible, but beware anybody that comes at you with a syringe uh, today, as okay. of now.
2: <laughs> I would do that
3: no matter yeah. what. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> don't let someone inject you with what they claim will evolve you? Yeah, exactly. Just no evolution <laughs> potions. I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, so mm. Caesar was a chimpanzee. Is it mm. fair to say that chimpanzees are close, we are closer to chimpanzees than we are to any of the other apes, is that correct?
0: It's generally reckoned that chimpanzees and bonobos, which are two species of the same genus uh, of of ape, are our closest relatives, yes.
2: They're our closest. So that means we have the most DNA in common with them, and you're up around 99% yourself.
0: That is true, yeah, 99.7% by some counts. But that little bit of difference uh, really has made an enormous difference.
2: Well, so we say, but if we were jellyfish looking at Bonobo chimps and humans, we would think that we were indistinguishable from one another. If you're a jellyfish. That's possible. But yeah, if, but jellyfish if you're a, are idiots. <laughs> 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 I mean... Um, even a, uh, a
0: cat wouldn't think that <laughs> well this this is true I, but I mean, isn't uh, tar- Bonobo uh, Bonobo would think uh, very much the same thing he thinks so near but yet so far
2: no you're, it's, you're saying it's so far because we're so close to it and you don't want to be thought of as that close to it so I isn't, don't, that, I, isn't that human no. hubris that's saying this
0: it human hubris to say that we're close to apes? No, it's oh, human it hubris like to say hubris. that the,
2: no, the human hubris is to say that little bit of difference is a big difference.
0: Well, well we're ones that are studying them and uh, <laughs> imitating <are> them <laughs> and not them that's studying us. Yeah. Right?
3: we can make bicycles and they can come nowhere near that. <laughs> there you go, high tech, high tech. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so now about motion capturing to become an ape, uh, they have different body proportions, right? I mean, they're, what, mm-hmm. what, what's the most different thing physiologically about them?
0: In general, apes uh, have uh, longer arms and shorter legs than we do. And that's very hard for a modern actor, a human actor, to imitate. Is that why they don't play soccer? <laughs> <laughs> it's why they don't play soccer very well. Yes. <laughs> right. right. I, I spoke to soon.
2: Well, in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, there was sort of some messaging going on, some of it a little heavy-handed, others a little more subtle. Mm-hmm. Let's get Andy Circus's take on that. Let's find out. Now, in the very original Planet of the Apes, which I took the occasion to see again, it actually held up very well. A lot of movies from the 60s, they fail in some fundamental ways, being transported many decades later. But that one held up in some important ways, socially, culturally, intellectually. And of course, there was a lot of secondary level messaging that went on. When I first saw it, I was a kid, I wasn't thinking the messaging. I was just thinking, that's a bad future. <laughs> so. Uh, could you comment on the messaging on Rise? I'm oh, no, sorry, the current one, Dawn. Dawn, thank you.
4: I mean, it's no mystery really that these that this franchise has endured because. Pierre Boulay's book and then the films still live on in my memory and, and many people's memories. And, and people are huge fans of these movies because of that. You know, they are entertainment, yes, but they are so much more than that. And you can appreciate them on so many different levels. In Dawn, I mean, I really do believe that Matt Reeves has created a, a film for our times. You know, it's very zeitgeist. The core of it is messaging is about empathy, it's about prejudice. It's about the necessity to take the harder, longer route of trying to find peaceful solution to conflict and the ability to see the other side's point of view and not to have knee-jerk reactions which lead to more radicalised behaviour. I mean, I really do think it couldn't be more pertinent today. And because we can still see ourselves through the portal of these, you know, the apes, we can examine ourselves and have some clarity about ourselves. I think it it holds up as a great metaphor.
2: Yeah, at the risk of stating the obvious, some of the best science fiction, again, in my lifetime, which goes back to the Star Trek series, the original for television, every episode had a certain morality to it. It wasn't just, you know, war in space. There was messaging, and uh, sometimes it's easier or more potable to tell a story through that inverted lens than just to come right at you. And uh, clearly that's the success that you're seeing right now. Exactly, and, and it belongs to a tradition. I mean, obviously, it goes back
4: to, to Grimm's fairy tales or Aesop's fables.
2: So, Ian, do apes do they wage war? Do they kill each other? What do they do? Do they apes, be, do they behave badly?
0: Apes do a lot of stuff that humans do, including, uh, including behaving badly. We're a kind of super apes. So, if we dig down below the uh, the, the surface, we're going to find a lot of chimpanzees in us, and chimpanzees do. Uh, organized aggression.
2: Mainly. We will get back to organized ape aggression. Good. When we return to Star Talk Radio. Star Talk Radio. We're back. We're on the web at startalkradio.net. And Star Talk tweets at Star Talk Radio. Check us out there. You can also, of course, like us on Facebook. Where else?
3: Where else can you like you other than in real life? No, no, Star <laughs> Talk Radio. <laughs> We're featuring my
2: interview with Andy Serkis, who played Caesar in the Planet of the Apes films, the two recent films. I've got in studio an ape expert, Ian Tattersall. He's a colleague of mine, pale- a, a paleontologist. Pa- pa- paleoanthropologist, I think is the full title, Ian. Is that right? All the syllables, yeah. All the. Si- <laughs> yep. Paleoanthropologist. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. We're talking about apes behaving badly. And is there something that we do that apes don't do other than use our technology to kill one another?
0: Well, you can you can, you can make a long list. You know, apes don't hang glide. They don't wear lipstick. Yeah. You know, there's a lot uh, of stuff. But that they apes would wear lipstick. They just do it in yeah. moderation, <laughs> so they look they don't look trashy. <laughs> uh, they could uh, recognize. They can recognize themselves in. Um, do they steal mirrors? Do, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
3: Do they, they steal? Ha- do they have other crimes? I mean, I know they murder and punch each other, but do they have wait, wait, other they types crimes? Wait, they murder? Crime? Well,
0: they steal. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, will, they, they will definitely mug each other in a, in, in, in a sense. Really? So if, if that's what Sillian said, they don't have a lot of personal possessions for
2: <laughs> so, so each like other to steal. <laughs> Give know, me your wallet. I don't mugged. have a wallet. Right? <laughs> right? They don't have a suitcase they tie up to bike racks or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the motivation for mugging is Do considerable... they have morality? Ooh, good do question. they have?
0: You know, they have a sense of fairness. They do, and primates in general seem to have a sense of fairness. They don't like it when somebody else is getting more than they are uh, in a way that they consider unfair. So, so yeah, there, there is this. Yeah, they're social, but <laughs> they're not full-blown commies. <laughs> they're very social, but yeah, they're all pinkos. No, no, <laughs> good. No. They're
3: like if you can get a nice car, that's fine.
2: <laughs> okay, so, so how about uh, the the expression of emotions, love, hate. Indifference. The big e- problem when
0: we're using words like this is we're using what we ourselves experience as humans, and we overload these emotions, these basic emotions, with all kinds of uh, of 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 meanings. I'm sorry, I don't have enough vocabulary to do invoke have,
3: here. Well, do they have ninety nine point seven percent what we
0: call love? They they have they have attachment. They uh-huh. definitely have attachment. They definitely have uh, feelings of uh, of. Dislike, of, uh, they have positive, negative feelings. Yeah, it, there's a lot of does what it manifest, we are in them.
2: Does it manifest in their facial expressions?
0: To some extent, yeah. But okay. humans are unique, have uniquely mobile faces. It, too. it may so, be
1: mm-hmm.
2: that if we try to put human faces in motion capture, we are over-dramatizing what an ape might be. Let's find out what Andy Serkis did with regard to facial muscle capture. So I just remember seeing some behind the scenes, the making of for earlier motion capture films. How many points are on your body that are then captured and portrayed? Because it seems to me the more points on every little muscle tinge, the more accurate is the rendering.
4: Well, the technology has evolved so much. So in fact, in King Kong days, I had 132 tiny little spherical three dimensional markers stuck to to all all over my face, including my eyelids. 132 and on your face. Yeah. On the face. Which okay, tracked- so no Botox
2: no. before then, otherwise it's not. No, no, absolutely. no, actors who
4: have Botox are not very good in performance capture. It's, it's a well known fact. <laughs> That's- you know, because they're like that and they talk and nothing moves and they just do that. And <laughs> so, no, probably not the best career move if you've had a lot of Botox. Not saying
2: it's impossible, would be very restrained performances. I mean, this is 2014. Why don't they just do this with a continuous laser scan? so that every millimeter of your face is known?
4: You know, it is evolving constantly. Before, facial performance capture is, is totally evolving, and the use of head-mounted cameras for real high-definition, you know, video reference with markers all over your face, I mean, that, that's where it's at at the moment. But I think there will be, a, you know, a sort of a, a version without that where it's purely optical, and we would have done away with all of that in, in, in the near future.
2: Interesting. Okay, so so Ian, I didn't know this. You're saying humans are unique among in the animal kingdom for our facial expressions.
0: We have amazingly complex uh, uh, muscular. Arrangements in our face well, that wait, allow the,
2: us to. The chimp has the same muscles in the face.
0: Doesn't have exactly the same uh, uh, muscles in the face. Has the same basic uh, muscle pattern, but it, it doesn't use those muscles in exactly the the same way. And again, so you're going to get a very human-looking chimp uh, when you use a uh, uh, video motion capture in oh. the way that is just described.
2: Oh, so if, so you put a f- human facial expressions on a chimp in a motion capture. That animates the chimps' expressions and emotions far more than an actual chimp would ever
0: express. Yeah. C- certainly, a lot more than than we would ever recognize in the face of a chimpanzee. Do, do chimps so-
3: re- recognize each other's facial ex- like? Do they have the same range of sort of emotions and expressions? We just don't read them as well because yeah, of how little we talk that, to chimps?
2: Maybe they're more subtle.
0: than well, that, may well, that may well be part of it. But in fact, the range of emotions I think that we express with our faces is a lot more uh, diverse than you find in chimpanzees.
2: When we come back, more Star Talk Radio. We're back. So, Ian, we've got a, a follow-up question. We're talking about the emotions of chimps and other apes. Do they wage organized
0: war? They certainly wage organized aggression. Whether war in all the uh, implications that we place on it, I don't know. But it's certainly documented that sometimes... Bands of, uh, of males organize themselves, go into the territories of other males with apparently the ultimate the, the, the aim of taking over those territories. And do they ever then regroup and, and attack again? Usually, what happens is one uh, one group is bigger than another group, and that that group uh, wins they the have conflict battles. and and displaces the others. Yeah.
2: Is the conflict who who yells the loudest,
3: or do they draw blood?
0: They draw blood. They uh, they, they murder t- e- they murder each other. They there are Holy. some very grisly stones?
3: footage out there. Do they use stones or sticks, or they're just
0: no? They do don't. They're not are, good at throwing things. Uh-huh. Uh But they can. They would whack be awesome with long arms with
2: sticks. Le- like that. They would be awesome yeah. pitchers in the major I can't league. wait to teach them how to well, use they javelins. Would. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to my interview with Andy Serkis, who played Caesar in The Dawn and the Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And I, I wanted to find out just more about him as an actor and what makes him tick. Let's find out. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but consider that your talent at this has its own force on the creativity of others who say, wow, look what is possible. I will now write a story that involves more of that. Because if you failed at this, if you were not an interesting character, people, it wouldn't draw the next generation of creative people to write or tell stories in that mode. So, I mean, you're really doing quite a service here for the industry.
4: Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I can't possibly think in those kind of grand terms, really. Um, you know, it is my passion and it, it is, you know, the Imaginarium is an extension of that. Look, here's the thing. When I started acting, I started in a theatre that had quite a committed sort of social approach to, to what theatre was and was lucky enough to work with a director who was, who was quite a political in many ways in in that he saw the job of the actor as service and, and that you go out and you research and you build your characters and you come back and you perform in a play to affect an audience and to engage them and make them think and emotionally connect, that you are lucky enough to be in a privileged position where, you you know, if you're taking the stage, you better have something to say and you better have, some, have something important To convey, and I've always carried that with me, and you know, and it doesn't always work. And sometimes you're in terrible projects, and and sometimes you lose faith completely. And but I think the ability to work on in these kinds of movies, which are broad, you know, huge, epic fantasies or, or such a big canvas to be able to have that play through and, and actually connect with such a wide audience. You, we are in very privileged positions which is why I find it very annoying when uh, you know big buster movies don't do anything more than just splurge and become eye candy. I think it's insulting and, and I think one of the things that like for instance Matt Reeves has done with this movie has gone so far beyond in, in saying to an audience you can be entertained but you can think and you can feel at the same time. That's, I suppose, going back to your point, I mean that's the background for me, that's what was in my makeup that actually has led me down this path. What is storytelling going to be? How will, how will children in 10 years, 15, 20 years time receive stories? I mean, is it interactive? Is it, is it an emotionally engaging, interactive story? These are questions that are really
2: interesting to me. And then I asked him, have any Academy Awards ever been given for motion capture actors? I think the answer to that is no. And I wanted to know what his reaction to that fact would be. Let's find out. Will the day come where someone whose face you never see on the screen win an Academy Award for Best Actor?
4: I I don't know. That's a very, very hard question to answer. Is the Academy ready for that? What's important about it is that the education of what this process is, performance capture technology, I think that needs to be understood. And I think that is the perception that has shifted and people are beginning to understand that it is an actor authoring the role on set with other actors and a director, creating the scenes. You don't push a button and a character comes out. It's entirely acted. And the visual effects team and the processes that take on that and interpolate are equally as impressive and magnificent and the artistry that goes into that is not to be underestimated but their visual effects but the authorship of the role unlike other animations for instance where you have a core or a team of of animators the actor is the guardian the emotional guardian of the life and the soul of the character that they're playing so that needs to be understood And whether the final manifestation on screen is, you know, the actor is recognizable because, I don't think it should be, for instance, uh, I don't think one should be discriminated against because your face isn't on screen because you're still giving as entire a performance.
2: If you're going to portray other animals, obviously apes come really close to us, but there was the movie Bugs Life and part of what made the, the insects charming was that they had human body gestures and things. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what you need, right? If, if you were a perfect grasshopper, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be an interesting <laughs> character no. to portray. Yeah. And so Ian, you studied chimps and ape, apes and monkeys. Don't, don't you have,
0: isn't there like a monkey species named after you? No, there's a lemur species name for me, but not a monkey species. Oh, well, lemurs yeah. are so not, don't give up, species. I'm working on it. <laughs> One day. I'm still Wait, working on it. Aren't right? lemurs aren't monkeys? <laughs> lemurs are not monkeys. Oh, sorry. And, uh, Excuse are me. Are monkeys apes? <laughs> apes are not monkeys, and neither are lemurs. Ugh. You no,
2: know, I. You know, I thought I understood. So, and how about uh, 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 baboons? What are they?
0: Baboons are monkeys, and we're all primates. But ba- baboons but. Don't, have, don't have tails, though, right? Baboons have tails, and apes don't. Oh, okay. Oh. And, so and we so, don't have tails. So we're apes. We don't have tails, and we're apes.
2: Some humans are born with tails, vestigial tails, and they, they quickly snip it off. Well, yeah, they, they, they <laughs>
0: prune them off quickly. It's a it's kind of, it's out of <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we got to run. Uh,
2: uh, That's this edition uh, uh. of Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Eugene, thanks for being on. Ian Tattersall, always. Got, I want to have more of you in the future. Promise you'll come back. Absolutely. We have been brought to you in part by a grant from the Sloan Foundation. As always, <laughs> this is Neil deGrasse Tyson, bidding you to keep. Keep looking up.